Hello, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and I once again have the honor to introduce today's message to you as we continue our series called This Means War. If you are a follower of Christ, you are engaged in a war whether you recognize it or not. In week four, we start to explore the uniform, the armor that God gives us to fight on this battlefield. And so let's get ready to step out into the battlefield. Good morning and welcome to week four of our series, This Means War. And today was supposed to actually be the last day in this series, but what has happened is it's kind of continued to grow. It's continued to, I mean, it's been taking a lot longer to get through sections and speak what God has been saying, and so we're going to have to continue this, and it's really frustrating because the series that I had scheduled for the month of September, I was really excited about. And the reason I was excited about it was because I've been trying to get this series in for months, but God keeps bumping it off. And so I've got to bump it off again. Um, But uh, let's start off today with a review of the previous week so that those who missed it are up to date on where we're at. Last week, we moved out of the Old Testament and we moved into the New Testament. And we headed to a couple of letters that Paul had written, one to the church in Corinth and another to the church in Ephesus. Our first section of scripture was in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and then our second one was in Ephesians chapter 6. And as we looked at these verses, we saw one important thing with these two verses, or these two sections of Scripture, and that was this. They were connected by the power of God. And so what we did was we began to explore the power of God. And the first thing that we discovered about this power that is important in our discussion on spiritual warfare is that it is strong. But it's not just strong, it's actually written as an unmovable force, something that nothing can oppose or stand against. And when you think of something that strong, I mean, that's a really powerful force, isn't it? Something that's immovable, something that cannot be shaken, something that cannot be torn down, torn apart, thrown away, or anything. The power is there. I mean, some football teams would love to have this as their offensive line and a movable force because their quarterback would have all day to stand back there. And then the second thing we found out about this is that this power is demonstrated. In other words, this kind of power is not one that you simply believe it's there. It's not one that you just say to yourself, well, you know what, I think it's there even though I've never seen it in operation, I've never seen it working, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, This is power that is made manifest. This is power that you see. This is power that reveals itself. This is power that comes into a situation and you encounter it. You see its results, you see its effects, and you see its aftermath. And that means in this battle, we have the strength of an unmovable force that can oppose any enemy, and we also have real power that shows up and makes itself known. And that's the kind of stuff that we want and we need in this battle. And the best part about it is this power and strength is contained in one place. It's contained in the person of Jesus. And so that means that if you're a follower of Jesus, we have that kind of power at our disposal. And most of us, I think, ask the question when we hear that, if I, if I have that kind of power at my disposal, then why do I never see it in action in my life? Why do I never see God coming and moving and working in power? And the basic answer to that question we found is that we do not let it. See, what we did was we looked at the life of Paul, the guy who wrote those two letters that we were looking at, and the man lived his life every single day on the edge, knowing that he needed God's power and strength to do what God was calling him to do. Otherwise, he was not going to make it through whatever it is that he was going through. 
But we operate with this idea that God's power is only there for us to tap into if we can't do it on our own. And that's our problem. See, we don't want to bother God. We don't want to seem like we can't handle it. So we do it on our own. I'll talk to Jesus and ask for his power when the problem gets to a place I can't handle it anymore. See, we think it's a sign of weakness to go to God and ask for his power, but unknown to us, Paul says in another place that in my weakness is where I am made strong, and so in our lives when we are ready to go and say to God, God, I am weak, that's when we access and can tap in to the most power available to us. God, I need your presence and power now or I'm going to be crushed. God's power is not going to operate in someone who thinks they're strong enough to do it without God. Then something else that keeps us from that power is the thought that we are not all that spiritual anyway, so God is not going to give me that power. And this is simply not true. We put, these, we put people into classifications. We've got our spiritual giants, and then we've got our spiritually normal people, and then we've got our spiritually inferior people, and we classify people like that. But here's the deal. God gives people each and every single day, regardless of whatever spiritual classification you may place them in, power to engage in this spiritual conflict. It's something that we don't need special training for. It's something that we don't have to spend a certain amount of time in prayer or reading our Bible to access. It's there for us to access regardless of how spiritual we think we are because Jesus is who Jesus is. He does not change and he doesn't give us power based on some sort of mysterious spiritual chart that he's got up in heaven going, oh, let's see, uh, okay, they get some power. Uh, They get a lot of power over there. It doesn't work like that. He gives his power to us based on our position in Christ. If we have given our lives to Jesus, that power is in us and available to us to use in the spiritual battle that we are fighting on a daily basis. And that was last week. And so let's move on to this week and today's message. We're going to continue working our way through Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Last week we got only through verse 10. But let's uh, read uh, what it says once again. If you're familiar with where Ephesians is at, you are welcome to turn there. If you are not familiar with it, don't worry. We're going to have it on the screen behind me. This is what it says once again, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Okay, so after Paul tells us to be strong in the power of God's might, he then challenges us to put on the armor, full armor of God. See, and just like a modern soldier has 
Combat has a uniform that they wear into combat when they step out onto the battlefield that is there to help them in their fight, in their struggle, and in their battle. The soldiers of Jesus Christ, the men and women who have called on Jesus who are stepping out into the battlefield have the same sort of thing. We have a spiritual uniform. We have a combat uniform that we're supposed to put on because this is what's going to help us to stand against the spiritual forces of evil in high places. And the deal with this is, this is not just a suggestion by Paul to put this on, okay? When you read this in the original language, it's in what's called the imperative aorist tense. So what does that mean? That basically means that this phrase is a command. God is saying, put on the armor of God. I want you to think about it like this, okay? So you're at home and you're hanging out, teenagers, and and your mom comes to you and she says, when you get a minute, could you please take out the trash? You're probably thinking to yourself, yeah, I'll get a minute in the next 10 hours, and it might be okay. But if your mom comes to you and says, get your behind in this kitchen right now and take out the trash, what is your response? Yes, you get up and you take out the trash because you know that your life may depend upon whether or not you get up off that couch and put that trash out, right? (laughs) We may dismiss the first one, but the second one we will not dismiss because death could soon follow. And so Paul uses this language, this aorist imperative for each and every single piece of this armor. And so what does that mean? Because being a command is important. It means that if we are not doing it, we are sinning. What is sin? Basic definition is not doing what God has told us to do. Pretty simple. If this is a command, God is telling us to do it and not doing it as a sin. Let's think about it like this. We all have jobs, or many of us have jobs in this room, right? And so let's say your job was at Hardee's down the road. And so you're, uh, you're scheduled to go into Hardee's, and you go home, and you put on a Burger King uniform and head into Hardee's to go to work. What happens when you head into Hardee's in your Burger King uniform? Yeah, you walk in the door and your manager's is like, your manager may curse. I don't know. He's probably not saved or she's probably not saved. What are you doing coming dressed like that? This is Hardy's, not Burger King. Go home, change. And I mean, you could even end up getting, even end up getting fired over that whole situation. Or maybe your thing is you just don't want to wear clothes at all, period. Is there anyone in the, in the house that uh, feels like that? You know, you decide you're just going to show up for work naked one day. How do you think that'll go down? Yeah, you'll probably be going to jail, right? See, we have dress codes in this world. You can't show up for work naked. If you work at one place, you don't show up in another place uniform. Well, this is the deal. God has a dress code for us, and every day we are commanded to put on this armor. We're commanded not to step out of our house in the morning without putting on this military uniform that God has given us because it's essential to our victory in the spiritual conflict we are facing. 
And the thing about it is that when we do step out of our house without our armor on, it really is like heading to Hardee's with a Burger King uniform on or showing up at your job without any clothes on. Now, I know that some of you may be thinking to yourself, well, you know, if I just put on my spiritual armor, I could show up here at church with nothing else on. Can I make it clear we all want you to wear clothes when you come to church as well? Um, you got to put on the clothes, then the spiritual armor. That's what we prefer, okay? That's, that's, kind, of our, that's kind of our hope here. You still got to wear clothes. The armor is in addition, in addition to your clothes. But listen, I do this. I make sure I put on God's armor each and every single day of my life. Now, okay, so I may miss a day here. I, I mean, really, I'm not, I, I don't get it every day. But most days, this is one of my morning routines. This is one of the things that I do after I get up as I literally speak these verses and say to myself, you know, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt buckle of truth, because I think it's important for me to dress in the armor because waking up every day puts me in a spiritual battle and so I try to be as prepared as possible for that fight. But too many believers are stepping out of their house each and every single day without that armor on. Going without your armor leaves you vulnerable. It leads you open to spiritual attack. I mean, think about this. When we talked about the battle with the Israelites and the Amalekites, they were picking off the Amalekites, were taking out those who were weakest. And that was who they were going after in this battle. In the spiritual battle, you know what? Satan does the exact same thing. So let's say uh, we, 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 in this room right now, we had somebody standing over in this corner, and they were fully dressed, military, they got their, their guns, their hanger, whatever they carried, and they're standing back there, okay? Then over at this door, let's say we've got somebody in shorts, flip-flops, and a unicorn t-shirt. And I say to you, you have to go through one of these people to get out of the room. Who are you going to try and go through? The unicorn shirt wearer, right? You're not going to try and go over here with a guy who's got an AR-15 in his hand. You're going to go for the person with the unicorn shirt because it's a soft, it seems like a soft target. I mean, think about anybody who's taken a self-defense class. What do they teach you in self-defense? They teach you to go after the soft spots on people, the places that are easy to inflict the most amount of pain. And that gives you an easier path to victory. And what too many believers are doing is they're getting up every morning, putting on their flip-flop shorts and unicorn t-shirt, and then expecting, expecting to not fall victim in this spiritual battle. Guys, we've got to get up in the morning and stop putting on our unicorn t-shirts and put on the full armor of God. Now that we know to put on our armor, let's dig into this armor and see exactly what it entails. The first piece of armor that God commands us to put on is the belt of truth. And so to understand this piece of armor, the first thing that we need to know is that the picture of armor that Paul paints was based on the uniform of the Roman soldiers of Paul's day. And so here is a picture of kind of a Roman soldier from Paul's day. That's kind of what they looked like. I had a really hard time finding it. There was lots of good pictures on Pinterest, but I'm convinced that no man should have a Pinterest account, and so I couldn't get any of those pictures off Pinterest. I'm sorry, nobody found that funny, but I just, I, uh, yeah, I just, no guy should have a Pinterest. All right, okay, so this is our Roman soldier right here. 
Um, so the first piece of armor that we're commanded to put on is a belt. Here is the story with the Roman soldier's belt. The belt is what held the rest of his armor together. There were clips on his belt that attached to the metal breastplate that comes down in front to keep that down and to keep it from flapping around in the wind. There was another spot on the back of his belt that had clips on it, and he would take his arrow or his quiver with his arrows in it, and he would attach it back there so that he could get easy access to it. He had three places to hang uh, his, short, his short scabbard knife for ha- close hand-to-hand combat. He had another place to hang his sword for the more uh, the sword combat, and then they carried the shield, that's a poor representation of the shield. They were usually about this tall. You know, they would almost cover the, the Roman soldier head to toe. And there was a spot to hang that shield on this belt as well. And so what the deal was is the Roman soldier's armor and weaponry would literally have no support to holding it up and holding it together. So it was essential for him to wear it to keep everything in place and everything together. And truth plays the same role in our life as the belt played for the armor of the Roman soldier. Truth is what holds our armor together and gives us a base and foundation for the weapons that God has given us to fight in the battle. The problem is is that truth seems to be getting a little bit harder and harder to grab a hold of these days. And even many believers struggle with what exactly is truth. And this word truth here, I just want clarification. It's got specific meaning, and it doesn't mean something that's true versus false, like two plus two equals four is true, but that doesn't make up this belt of truth. See, this truth is about God and the words that he has given and spoken. In other words, the truth of God is what holds everything in our life together and makes up our defense against Satan. If God and what he speaks is no longer true, then all of our armor falls apart. Think about it. The sword that we carry, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If God's Word is no longer true, then what happens to that sword, that offensive weapon? It's no longer useful. The shoes that we wear are the gospel. If the gospel is no longer true, we no longer have that firm foundation to stand on, and suddenly we are sinking in a quicksand. Our shield of faith, if we no longer can have faith in God and his word that what he says is true, we're just stepping out onto a battlefield with a blind faith, and that's not going to extinguish any darts that the enemy can fire at us. But more important, the question is, how is truth important to us in the spiritual battle that we face every single day? And it's important because many times the way that the enemy will attack us is through half-truths. You can see this played out in the scripture. You go back to Genesis chapter 3 and the fall of Adam and Eve. And what happened there? Satan went to Eve and he, she, he took God's word and twisted it up for Eve and said, did God really say? Well, let me tell you something. God, you know what? God is trying to keep you from something. God is trying to keep you from something that's awesome and amazing. He's withholding good from you by not allowing you to eat the fruit. He's keeping wisdom from you by not allowing you to eat the fruit. He's telling you that you will die, but you really won't die if you eat this fruit. The way Satan presented it, he was taking the truth of God, and twisting it up so it was a partial truth. But the partial, the part that wasn't true led to this mess that we have now. 
Similarly, in the New Testament, Jesus was tempted by Satan in Luke chapter 4, and he used the same tactic against Jesus. Uh, He twists the truth of God. He twists words to make them mean something that they were not supposed to mean, to try to get Jesus to believe in untruth like he did Adam and Eve. But fortunately, in that instance, it didn't work. But it didn't work because Jesus had the belt of truth firmly in place over his life. You see, the enemy is going to come at us and he is going to attack us with lies and half-truths. He's going to look at you and he's going to say, you know what, God doesn't love you. If God loved you so much, why are so many things going wrong in your life? He's going to look at us and say, hey, you know all those things that we think are sin? God's just trying to keep you from having a great fun life. All those things that he says you shouldn't do, those things are fun, they are awesome, and they are what make life worth living. He say, lose those sins that God has said, because it's just really a way to control and manipulate your life. He's trying to keep you from living your best life now. He'll take what you are doing now and try and make it into a lie. He'll say, look, you don't really need this church thing and all of these people that are in here. You work hard. You should play hard. You shouldn't be in church on a Sunday morning. You should be enjoying yourself. Get what you want out of life. He'll tell us those things and twist up what God says. Another thing he will do is he will tell us we are the same person we were before we met Jesus, and he will will tell us we need to accept the name that we've always been called by. What do I mean by that? There were those of us in the room in the past that we were called some names. We were called addict. We were called cheater. We were called prideful. We were called sick. We were called evil. We were called all of these other names. And then we met Jesus. And see, when we met Jesus, those names were broken over our life. Those names no longer have power and we no longer need to answer to those names. But too many believers will listen to the voice of Satan and he will say, you know what, you, who, you are who you always were and we will continue to answer to those names. And we will believe those lies that Satan is telling us that we are who we always were. But see, when we can pick up this belt of truth and firmly fasten it on our waist and say to our, we can say to Satan and look him in the eye and say, that's who I was. But the name that God calls me by now is redeemed. The name that God calls me now is set free. The name that he calls me now is hope, is joy, is peace, is power, is presence. Those are the names that we need to answer to. We can't let the lies of who we were and what we've been bind us up and keep us from this belt of truth on our waist. You are saved by grace. You are justified, completely forgiven, and made righteous. We're going to talk about that next week. You are free from condemnation. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have been chosen by God. You've been rescued from the hand of Satan. You've been set apart by God to do great things for his kingdom. 
You now have the authority to come boldly before his throne. The old you and your old nature have been removed and your life is now hidden in Christ. That is the truth that we need. And when we have that truth, rather than the lies that says we're the same old person we have always been, it helps to secure that belt of truth firmly in place. And when that belt is firm, it holds that combat uniform that we are wearing in place as we step out onto the battlefield. A second struggle that we have when it comes to the truth is that we lie to ourselves. See, Satan is not the only one lying to us. We tell ourselves that we're not that important in the kingdom of God. We're not these spiritual giants that others are. And because we are not, this whole battle and spiritual stuff like the armor of God is not for us. We're down here. It doesn't apply. Man, we got to stop lying to ourselves. We've got to stop speaking these things into our life. If we read the New Testament, we would see over and over and over again that what is true about who Jesus is is also true about each and every single one of us sitting here in this room. We became the same spiritual giant that Jesus is when we follow him because when you follow Jesus, you become everything that Jesus is. See, you become the light of the world. You become a child of God. I mean, think about that for a minute. A child of God. Think, think kings here on this earth. They're children. The children of the kings. They get the same treatment and prestige and everything that their father or mother does as the king or queen, right? They can sometimes skirt the laws of the land. Now, God won't let us skirt the laws, but, uh, you know, they, they can get by and get away with things that other people can't get away with. Why? Because they're the king and they're, they're the son of the king or the queen and they're given special treatment. Well, here is the deal. We are the children of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who holds the universe in his hand. What do you think that means for me and you in this room? It means that we have all of that power, all of that authority, all of that everything with inside of us available to us and give it to, and, and access to it just like a, the son or daughter of a king or queen does here on this planet. You are the same spiritually as Jesus, and this truth is essential for us to know and to believe. You are important, and checking out in your walk with Jesus and this piece of armor by telling ourselves lies about, lies about who we are and what we can do is incredibly self-destructive. You've got to believe what Jesus says about you. You've got to believe who Jesus says that you are. Because it's a place of truth and it's a place where when we're in the battle and we've got that firmly fastened on our waist, we can stand up, we can stand, stand strong, we can stand in power and might and confident knowing who we are fighting with, who we are fighting for, and guess who the battle belongs to? It belongs to God.
And so this morning, in closing, there's a couple of things that I really think. The first thing I think is that there's some people in this room who are allowing the enemy to call them by their old name. God doesn't want you to be there anymore. God wants you to be called by his name that he has given you as a son or daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so this morning, the first thing that I want to say is if you're here this morning and you've been listening to those voices and those voices have been saying to you, they have been calling you by your old name, this morning is the morning to come up to allow someone to pray for you so that you can be set free from those things that are being spoken over your life because that is no longer you if you follow Jesus. And then the second thing is that there's some in here that have been lying to themselves and saying, you know what, I'm just not that guy. I'm not that girl. I'm not that spiritual person. That's not true. You are the son. You are the daughter of the king of kings and lord of lords. And as his son, as his daughter, you have the same spiritual power. You have the same spiritual authority. You are the same. You're, you're the, you're the, you've got the all of the stuff that Jesus has is available to you and all you have to do is come forward and say, Jesus, I want this. Jesus, I need this. And he's going to give it to you. And when we get these things together in our lives, it belts the buckle of truth around our waist so that when we step into the fight and we step into the battle, our armor is held together. And so I'm going to ask if either one of those is speaking to you. The front of the room is open. I would challenge you to come up front. And then after people have come up front, if you're part of our prayer team, just come behind. Come behind somebody and, and pray for them and pray for their situation and what's going on in their lives and, and ask God to give them that truth fastened and buckled around their waist. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.